0: OTB GAA. You know, Offaly had won by a last minute goal, so my inspirational speech actually backfired on me. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick
0: your ass. <laughs>
2: This is the Saturday panel on News Talk with John Duggan until uh, half two. You can text us 53106. We're on air in total until five. We're streaming the conversation as well. You can listen on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off The Bowl, YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. This is the Saturday panel about the theme of respect, right? It's been in the headlines a lot in the last few weeks. Respect on the sidelines for participants and officials in sport, especially. We've read, we've heard reports of the shocking assaults in referees in Gaelic games recently but it all starts somewhere often with a Culture of a sideline, the genesis of intimidation, behaviour that's a bit over the top, maybe kids get a bit of stick. So, to chat about the whole landscape, how is we as human beings can do better as spectators or participants on a sporting field, we're joined in studio here by the referee, GA referee Kevin O'Donnell, accredited performance psychologist Keith Begley, and coach Antonio Montero to chat about this topic over the next hour. So, Kevin, Keith, Antonio, you're very welcome to Off the Ball here on a Saturday. Thank
3: you. It's nice it's to be here. Much, Sean.
2: Great for coming in. Appreciate your time. And um, abuse on the sidelines, is it a problem? Is it overblown? Is it real? What have your experiences been? We'll get through the experiences for the, maybe the first 20 minutes of the panel. Uh, Kevin, what is it like for you day to day? I believe you referee GA matches in Camogie, ladies football, men's uh, football as well. When it comes to getting stick in a sporting pitch, what's your general feeling of where things are right now for you?
3: Yeah, so uh, I referee a lot. Okay, now, I have somewhere close to 100 games done this year. So I'm, I'm out all the time. Which county is this in? This is in Dublin. Okay. Um, So I see it across GAA, across Hurling, across LGFA and across Camogie. And I would say that there is a culture there of attacking is probably the, the wrong word but certainly questioning the referee, shouting at the referee, roaring at the referee, roaring at children. I do a lot of kids games as well, roaring at children as well. I definitely think there's an issue there, right? And I've seen it myself, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it looking at other matches and seeing people reacting to the, to the referee as well. It, it, it's definitely something we have to address. And indeed, the Camogie Association released a letter this week in Dublin about that because they, they, they've kind of started to draw a line under this and say this, this can't happen anymore. Were you surprised by the incidents in Roscommon and Wexford? Yeah I think we all were right I mean let's not forget this is a game this is what we're doing for fun this isn't meant to be enjoyable it's meant to be enjoyment people turn up to see athletes play the athletes turn up to play and enjoy themselves and we have had situations in Kerry, Wexford, Roscommon where you know referees who are volunteers are getting out and 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 getting assaulted I mean it's absolutely crazy it's ridiculous that people leave their house in the morning time and end up in hospital it just it's it's beyond belief in a way mm.
2: now that might be a situation in each individual situation it could be the case that they fell or whatever but we're in a situation where as you say they did end up in hospital um f- from your perspective do you ever think to yourself why do i bother
3: no i don't and i'll, I'll tell you I, I love refereeing i really do i really enjoy it if i have one uh, um thing that I, I regret about refereeing is that I didn't start it earlier. That's that's what I would say. Um, refereeing is great and 90% of the time, or even higher than 90% of the time, it's, it's a great activity, it's a great way to be involved in the sport. Um, I, I have to deal with situations from sidelines and coaches, very, very rarely from players, but from sidelines and coaches. Parents? Definitely parents uh, uh, on the sidelines. Definitely, coaches who a lot of the time happen to be parents as well, uh, and sometimes that can be pretty stressful. Okay, and it's certainly not a situation that anyone. Ever wants intimidatory. To I think when you're getting constantly heckled, right from the sideline, it does. It it can become a little bit intimidatory, right? And there are there are ways that that you kind of deal with that yourself. On the pitch, you know, I may not run as close to that sideline, uh, you know, as often as I as uh, I may I may, you know, use different running lines and things like that. But you, you know it's happening, right? You're you're hearing it, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the time from from sidelines. So, so does it does it get to the level of intimidatory? Yeah, at times it can do. Yeah. And has it
2: ever affected your mental health?
3: No. No, I'm very good at compartmentalising and so, you know, I go out to do the best job that I can and I I truly think every ref that I've ever spoken to and there's a lovely community of referees there uh, goes out to do the best uh, job that they can. Um, I am able to park it and move on Um, and I actually think that, you know, writing it down, if there is abuse there, writing it down in the referee's report is cathartic. Uh, I get it down on paper and then I move on and I don't think about it anymore.
2: So Antonio, you've been coaching soccer uh, underage, uh, I believe, at Castleknock. Yeah. And you had this initiative called the Sideline Sidelines, sidelines yeah. initiative. So maybe talk to us about that Sideline Sidelines.
0: Yeah, I suppose the idea is just to recreate um, how children were playing in the playground. So, you know, the idea is that they would be able to play the game without having the constant stream of instruction and a, and a noise coming from the sidelines. So, if you can imagine two teams playing out in your front green, you know, they're playing there with, with freedom. They're, they're, they're going from mistake to mistake without even realising it. And, you know, they're more focused on the recovery or just getting the ball back. So, the whole idea is of the weekend is, is to recreate that. So, where children are just allowed to play their game. Without having the fear of making mistakes, um, without constantly having to look to the sideline for direction or for instruction, so they just play the game with total freedom. Um, and for me, it's the it, the idea is that that clubs and um, leagues and that would introduce it at the start of the season, so it just sets a, 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 um, I suppose a. Um, for, for the year would just set how how people should respond and how people should behave on the sideline so and it just gives it gives children the freedom to to play the game in the way that they want to play the game and and the reason why they entered to play sport in the first place because most of them would have started from the playground or most of them would have started from the green and then they would have been introduced to into organized football or organized sport through a friend or 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 maybe through school or or whatever you know but the reason they got out into the first place is because it was fun and they enjoyed playing it on their own with their friends so the idea is just to try and recreate that scenario for, for kids as often as possible
2: now where did that come out of was that coming out of your observations of the sideline being out of control
0: To be honest, it came out of my own behavior on the sideline. So when I started out, I was definitely a prowler. I was definitely running up and down the sideline, constantly shouting instructions, constantly trying to dictate the the tempo of the game, constantly trying to pass on. What What, age
2: group were you teaching? Uh,
0: I I started, I think it was on the 13s, 14s. you know, so my very first game. That's that's how I was. So you know, after that first game, I, I, I just I reflected a little bit and I said, look, there has to be a better way. I have to find a better way to to coach these children. I Have to find a better way to get the message across. Uh, and from there, I just started to blog and I started to write about it and uh, I just started to research and find ways of of how to coach children better. Um, and how to coach the game where they where they could express themselves with freedom without having me to, to help them on the sideline. So for me the very best coaches are, are the best observers they'll, they'll they'll be on the sideline they'll be taking notes and they'll pass on the information when the game is stopped or before the game or at halftime but they certainly won't continue to instruct throughout the game. Um I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I still at times I'm, I'm coaching seniors now and I still at times instruct. Um so what age you coaching now? Uh, seniors, okay. seniors. But I tried to find moments in the game where, where, where I can pass <laughs> on information. I mean, one thing is for sure, no matter what age you are playing sport, nobody wants to hear their name shouted constantly from the sideline. Nobody wants to constantly be distracted from constant direction or constant instruction coming from the sideline. And that goes across all, all ages. Um, so for me, as a coach, you should never want to win more than the players themselves. And I think a lot of um, you know, the abuse and the culture of, of, of the win at all costs stems from that where coaches and parents actually want to win more than the kids themselves.
2: And having checked yourself, are you now quite frustrated when you see that behaviour?
0: Yeah, I I am, but I'm also, you know, if I see a line that's, you know, I suppose quite negative and constantly, uh, you know, asking for decisions to, to go their way or constantly you know, berating the referee, you know, it, it actually makes me a little bit more calmer and actually makes me maybe use reverse psychology where I'll actually say to the referee when he does get a decision right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll applaud him and say well done ref and, and try and be a bit more positive about things. One thing is for sure, I'd never blame a referee for the defeat. I think that ultimately you have to look at yourself as a coach, you have to look at yourself why things happen. I think, you know, being a referee is a very, very difficult job. I would never want to do it myself um, and I have total respects for, for, for referees and officials. I mean, it's a really, Really hard, difficult game, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. And if they were to s- step across the line and pick up the whistle and the cards, they'd find you know, you're uh, really how difficult it is to, to manage a game at all levels. Um, and certainly now it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult. I mean, when I played football, there was coach on one side and coach on the other side, and you know, those coaches were basically having a to and fro to each other, and that was it. But now, from the very young ages where children are introduced to sport from whatever, six, five, four, three, in some cases, you know, there could be three or four um, parents or or, um, uh, relatives coming along. So you could have anything from 25 to 30 parents on one side and 25 to 30 parents on the other side who all have an opinion about the game. Um, So it's, you know, it's very difficult for referees to to control the game, you know, and I think we just need to, everybody just needs to stand back away from from the sideline, relax and just enjoy the experience and stop getting so emotionally involved in the game.
2: So, Keith, like from a human point of view as an accredited um, performance psychologist, like being shouted at or being, you know, spoken to throughout a game, there's a competitive environment, obviously, but there's also the balance from a mental health perspective for a young person and how they form their you know, view of the world as one of our textures was remembering something happened 20, 30 years ago about how he was spoken to by a coach.
1: Mm. Yes, yeah, I suppose really like, you know, if, if I'm a young lad there and I'm getting ballyragged by either, either a coach or a parent or whatever, you know, my whole kind of sense of kind of self and kind of self identity and self-worth is being challenged in front of my peers. So you're going to be resentful of that, you know, and and like if I'm if I'm playing sport, I'm there to enjoy the experience. You know, I'm 12, 13, 14, 15, no, irrespective of what, any age. I mean, if you're an adult, you, you don't want to be, you know, I suppose um, undermined, uh, for want of a better word, in front of your peers. You want to enjoy the experience and you're, you're doing your best. Like it can be communicated about what maybe you want your team to do in a, in a constructive fashion, you know. So there's... I suppose the dynamic, the relational dynamic that's fostered around the group, um, a coach has a huge impact on that. And very often you'll see where the referee is experiencing, it would say, beyond that um, kind of, I suppose, backlash from from the players. It's often very reflective of a coach, you know, and the dynamic that's created around the the whole group dynamic. Um, and you know, invariably, where you find it that the coach is kind of respectful and. You know has has a degree of control over his players that you know invariably there isn't that same volume of issues for a referee um, I don't know that the referees would you Kevin would you come across that would you, the influence of the coach in terms of the dynamic around the game is is that significant
3: I absolutely would and and uh, what I find and what other referees I was talking to a referee uh, just at the start of this week when coaches and parents start roaring and shouting at children and roaring and shouting at the referee what happens is you undermine the referee and it's almost this this mentality that you know the guy or gal who's in the middle of the pitch who studies the rules and uh, he or she doesn't know anything and the coach or the parent knows everything right and how that affects the children on the pitch is they start to disbelieve the referee right they and what happens is they start to go in harder they start to go in rougher they start to you know, dissent. And what happens is they actually end up getting cards themselves because it seeps, it infects the pitch. It's a really interesting phenomenon when you see it happen. Uh, And I've had a couple of games this year where coaches are roaring and shouting ref this, ref that, ref the other. These are all perfectly legitimate uh, um, uh, decisions that are being made but because they don't agree with them and that infects their team and then all of a sudden you have players who start to um, question the referee. I don't either a 12 or 13 year old girl uh, uh, one, uh, in one of the matches this, this this year who told me I needed to take a referee's course <laughs> right and I, you know, I yellow carded her I was there do you know what you're doing here like I mean really this is not where we should be you know but that was because and I had a chat with the coaches after that game I said you need to stop this now so it, it is real it does happen and it does seep in for sure mm.
2: Would you be of the view, maybe from their studies of psychology, that parents sometimes maybe live their own expectations through their children?
1: Yeah, I think that's, there's a huge element to that. Um, I, I, I'd see it where um, very often, you know, it's it's a case of, yeah, that exact point where, you know, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to win. It's, it's, it's a little bit ironic in a way because, you know, you have to look at, like, why are they putting their kids into sport in the first place so you're trying to like typically if you're looking at they're trying to develop discipline resilience and all these different life qualities if you like. belonging, in camaraderie as uh, well. Exactly but on the other side of it then they're very often acting in and a way as, well. as, as a result of emotional investment Like they want them to win. Now, if if you like, if you're trying to develop resilience, say for example, and people, it's like in sport, it's as a result of losing and dealing with adversity. Resilience is a skill developed in adversity. But if you're, you know, constantly going as a coach or whatever, or as a parent, trying to win every game by, you know, x amount of goals plus one, um, you're actually taking away that opportunity for development of resilience, you know, and I, by the same token, you're supposed to be a role model as a parent and you're trying to imbue discipline and all these different qualities in, in these kids, but the very nature of your acting on the sideline, either as a coach or as a parent, is undermining everything you're supposed to be standing for in the first place, and it's probably as a result of you know everybody wants to win, but there's there's a good way to win, there's a right way to win, and there's a wrong way to win, and it's how we carry ourselves as role models, as coaches, as parents. You know, we we have had our time in sport, you know, and like you said, um, some coaches, not all, some parents, not all, are so emotionally invested that when you know it's a, maybe a close game, the red mist comes down. And everything has to be challenged. You know, whether it's it's the referee's decision and sometimes even it's their own coaches of their own parents' decision. So, for example, it might be coaches have to experience maybe a backlash of parents because their kid might have been substituted in an under 13 match to give another kid a run. You know, so, like, we have to look at this bigger picture stuff on, on how this has come about in, in recent times. And, like... It's. This isn't just in recent times. This is going on for years. I remember when I was ten years of age, I was at a, a football match across the road, and I remember a referee giving uh, a a player or a, a, a yellow card, and received a backlash from the player. He gave him a red card, and it was followed by a punch from the player, and he was laid out, and, and an ambulance was called. So, like, it was it was rural football, so it, it didn't wouldn't have made wouldn't have made ha- headlines, but this this but is now going on it would have for years. been on camera phone exactly well the social media dynamic and everything has has changed the dynamic I suppose um, smaller localized incidents are coming more into, into international media if you like that may not have done in the past but it was always there um, but I think there's lots lots of strides have been made I think particularly in terms of underage. <clears throat> coaching i think as i see it in terms of we'll say for example in in, in gaa the go games the uh, process and development in terms of introduction i think is hugely transformative um if, if you look at it in terms of um you know your seven, eight, nine, ten eleven year olds it's 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 sport for all it's inclusive uh very often the coaches will actually referee the games and as a result you know coaches and parents are heavily involved they have a better picture by the time they get to 12, 13, 14 than, than they maybe used to be. I, I think there's there's better coach education. Um, there's there's better models of coach education and, and support structures in place. But I suppose social media sometimes catastrophizes small incidents that do happen. It is there. Um, it's, it's certainly there and the bad incidents are bad. But I think generally, uh, I'd like to think that there's a lot of good stuff going
2: on to counteract it. Antonio, What's your take on that? What Keith has said there, and the whole um, obsession with winning.
0: Yeah, you know, I think maybe for GA, and I, I was just thinking about this that maybe even at, you know at the, at the the amateur level with GA, that a lot of games are played in stadium. They have that stadia feel about it. And I think sometimes when you enter into a stadia, you know, you you people when they feel that they're they're there to win so they have it it's almost like it's it's the entertainment zone as opposed to the to, to development zone so when i see the entertainment zone i say when we're watching games on tv either premier league or even in crow park you know that's that stadium feel so that's the, once you enter into that stadium feel you kind of have that you know your team is there to win and uh, i think i mean i could be wrong but a lot of a lot of um, the GA games, you know, at senior level and, and maybe underage as well, a lot of them are played in, in little enclosed stadia. And uh, it allows for spectators then to be in the stands and to say what, whatever they want and, uh, and, uh, and to get emotionally involved in the game. Um, as for, I suppose, with a lot of soccer games, a lot of it's just played in parks. It's Very few of it is played in stadia. So there maybe isn't that element of, 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 of total emotion um, because well particularly at senior level you're not actually allowed on the pitch you've got to stay outside the barrier you've got to Do you feel the emotions the in check in soccer on the sideline um is it in check no i think soccer also has has a lot of problems particularly at the younger ages yeah there's a huge element of uh of certainly of win at all costs um of, of overzealous parents um, and i think maybe like you said, you get a lot of parents that have never actually played sport before, so they don't know how to conduct themselves because they've never been involved in, in a team structure. They've never been involved in, 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 in being on the sideline other than now with their child. Um, and they just, yeah, like they see that red mist and, and uh, again, they just, they see their child and they just solely just focus on their child and not focus on the big picture, which is the game and the development of that child and the development of the team, which is somewhat, just so many factors around, around the team. Um, I know a, a lot of games now, particularly in soccer, are recorded, like for instance, we record our games, we actually stream them live. So when you're live streaming, you're certainly really conducting yourself on the sideline because you know, you, yeah. you know you're being live streamed here. So. That in itself um, helps with uh, uh, controlling behaviour. It helps with controlling the emotion of the game, certainly from our our substitutes and even even parents who are there because it's been recorded and you can hear absolutely everything, you know, so that helps. Um, I don't know if I've seen a lot of games ga where they're live-streamed, you know, but...
2: OK, we've got to take a break. Thank you, Antony Montero, Kevin O'Donnell, Keith Begley on abuse from the sidelines. Respect, how we can foster greater respect... Interested in the listeners' observations, uh, comments, questions you might have. we getting a lot of this in here on 53106 the cost a 30 cent. Have things improved? Are reports of intimidation overblown? Is there enough respect on the sideline? Can parents check themselves a bit more? Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk and the Saturday Panel is back after two. Stay with us.
3: The Saturday Panel on Off the Ball.
2: This is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you, 3 to 5. We're on the panel at the moment, 53106 our text number. You can tweet us at Off the Ball. We're chatting to GA referee Kevin O'Donnell, accredited performance psychologist Keith Bagley, and the soccer coach Antonio Montero, about respect on the sideline, fostering a positive environment, the subject of referee intimidation. Obviously, it's always a hot topic. Huge reaction from our listeners out there. 53106, I'm just going to read out some of these texts. Uh, My son is a 15-year-old GA ref. He gets heckled from coaches and sidelines every match. On one occasion, I was told he would need a police escort off the pitch at an under-10 match. Today, even after the letters published this week, a coach argued with him at halftime over decision. This is an adult arguing with a 15-year-old child. He constantly feels intimidated. He is considering giving up, says Bob in Dublin. OTB simple solution to the ref issue. All refs should wear body cams. Data instantly sent to the cloud. No parent will attack them. No player will abuse them. Data in the cloud means there's no point in grabbing the camera. Everyone knows the cameras work this way. Problem will end instantly, says Martin in Dublin. Hello, as a dad of a 16, 14, 12 year old have attended rugby, soccer and GA coaching courses. They've all emphasised the enjoyment of kids and winning is not important. But over 10 years observing all these sports and being involved sometimes, it's clear this is all just words. 90% 90% of underage coaches and parents are just worried about the win. It's a joke. Just look what happened at the under-14 academy fixture between Cork and Finn Harps this weekend. Cork forfeited because Finn Harps wanted to maintain home advantage. 40 kids do not get to play a game because adults cannot agree. It's so disappointing, says George O'Brien. Great show tackling this cancer in football. Abuse and descent from the sidelines has affected my mental health on occasions, mainly in the early years of my 18-year soccer refereeing experience, says John. Surprised to hear your contributor saying he was shocked at the assaults on those refs. I'm not a GA fan. I've no skin in the game. But I wasn't surprised at all to hear of the assaults. It seems to be a repeated story every few weeks somewhere in the country. I don't think the constant machismo image of the game, which GA promotes through TV and radio adverts, helps. It needs a rebuke from the top down, which will take time, says Dave awfully Well, I don't know if the GA would agree with that. On referees, why on earth is an assault on a referee any different to that person being assaulted at Tesco or walking down the street? There's absolutely no difference. The law must be upheld. If these idiots think they'll be arrested and charged, they won't do it. Witnesses every time cut and dried. 53106. I think the sporting organisations had the competitive tone from a young age, which drives that competitive nature from the sidelines. Girls underage soccer, eight to ten-year-olds being streamed by ability. Our club approached the league Organisers, we were trying to play in mixed ability teams and were suffering poor results. Response from the organisers was that we should stream our teams based on ability. How are all kids supposed to learn and enjoy when this is a mentality at eight years of age? Anybody want to pick up on any of those messages?
0: Well, I suppose with the ability one, I mean, you know, sport is, for me, it streams way too early, you know, which which has a huge effect on, on children as well because they, they're not able to play with their friends. They're separated from their friends. Um, you know, so, you know, lots of children have, Periods of progression and improvement over their long pathway to to to, to football or Gaelic games or, wh- or whatever it is, you know. My advice to that person would be just to maybe don't enter into a league and just try and play teams every weekend or organise blitzes within your within your club. And you know you'll, you'll certainly the children will obviously get more contact time on the ball. It'll be less travelling time, and uh, which will mean more contact time on the ball as well. And and you're able to. To allow children to play as often as possible, as well, and it's, there's no element there of, of the win at all costs or competition, or you know, so it's much more much more about f- freedom of, of play and, and development.
1: Um, yeah, I suppose look at there's pluses and minuses to everything, you know. Um, streaming will always be there once you get to, we'll say, 13, 14, 15. Once there's like the nature of the structure of a competition, streams it because you know, if, if you're in a competition a coach will pick their best team and if, if it's football it's your best 11 if it's uh, Gaelic football or hurling it's your best 15 and so on and so forth but it's what we do as coaches you know around our, the back end of our squads in terms of making kids feel valued, included, feeling wanted, feeling part of something. Okay, So it's how we interact as coaches, is, is I think, is, is key here. So how do players feel treated when they're walking away at the end of the session, that they're not the person that's, you know, after travelling maybe half an hour for a match and sitting on the sideline, they might get one minute or no minutes at the end of a game. So, you know, are they going to keep coming back? So you know, if I'm a coach, you know, ca- can I organise with with the opposition coach that maybe you know we have weaker players? What can we do for these weaker players? And this isn't just this isn't just underage sport. Like I mean, I heard Ronan O'Gara speak about this very mm. point only I was at last week about how he manages his twenty four to thirty four, you know, in terms of keeping the group positive because they they want to play just as much as as your, as your top players. You know, they want to feel valued the same way as as the top players and if they don't feel valued you know why why would you come back if your whole kind of sense of you know sense of self your your identity and all that has been challenged because the manner in which the coach um dictates how good you are you know so like there's 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 a whole kind of philosophy here around coaching that needs to be addressed and like i i, I it's quite interesting i I do stuff around um, I suppose coach education for GAA um, in terms of World War II and stuff like that. And part of, part of the, 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 the section I do is around creating a, an environment for for success. and it's amazing to, to, to go and we throw out questions about experiences that the coaches would have had, you know when, when they were playing maybe 15, 20, 30 years previous, and some of the horror stories that they would have experienced as, as kids in terms of how they were treated by coaches. And invariably or very often that's, you know, a significant catalyst in why they leave sport and why they leave sport early. You know, so like like there was um, research done Sport Netherlands would have done a lot of research around this. And they narrowed it down to 14 different factors on why kids quit sport, five of which were connected to adults. And one of really important one was their perceived competence about how good they are or how good they aren't. OK, so the influence of the coach in how a, a player feels about how good they are or how good they aren't is hugely significant because they feel, if, they, if if they're not being treated in a way that they feel valued, they're not going to come back and they just disengage. Um, I suppose John Morrison, he was he's a famous Irish coach who passed away. People in GA circles would know him. Alton Mayo, yes. Mayo and with Mickey Moran and so on. Yeah. But he he had a line, I met him one time and he had a line, it was some seminar somewhere and he said, players will mightn't always remember what a coach says but they'll always remember the way you make them feel you know and it's true across sport across business across any organization how as a leader within your organization do you
2: make people feel not what you say yeah sorry mm-hmm. rather than what you say exactly I think exactly. For, co- for
0: coaches uh, is a great one is if you you fast forward 10 years and look back on your coaching experience and then ask yourself how do you want to re- be remembered how do you how do you want people to see you as a coach for the things that you did? Yeah. And I think the occasional peek forward will really help, you know, coaches get in check and and, and realise why they're in it in the first place. And you know, ultimately yeah. you're in it because you, you want to because it's fun and you want you want to carry that enjoyment through through your whole coaching pathway. Yeah. And you also want to improve players, you want to bring them on and mm. keep them keep them coming back.
1: Yeah. Just just on that, like there's a great coach down in Tipperary, Paddy Butler, who was director of hurling in, nationally, I suppose, for maybe seven or eight years before Martin Fogarty. And his sole criteria for success was how many 13-year-olds, he was a primary school principal, how many 13-year-olds can he get to 18, 19, 20, still playing, at which point they'll make their own decisions as to whether they want to continue or not. Because what you don't want is kids leaving the sport because the manner in which they feel treated are not treated right by by the coaches that by the adults that are involved in the system you know that if they if they choose to leave or go to a different sport or or not play it's because they want to do something else it's not because they feel that they're being treated badly and that's kind of where we need to, need and this to get gets it.
3: back to the mentality the winning mentality right which is you know, sport is a game it's meant to be fun it's meant to be fun for children and Tony's been very strong on this right And you have adults in control of the situation who will keep children, let's remember most of the time when we're talking about this, it's children on the sideline for 55 minutes, even just sit there the whole game, not talk to them because they want to win the game. That child or those children are entitled to play. It's their team, it's their game. And I I, I think we need to move past this kind of winning mentality where you're, you know, as 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 a coach and as an adult, you're trying to win more than the more than the kids are um i get it at adult level right and there's a there's a there is a difference there um but uh, certainly at the children level everybody should be playing and that's the principle of the go games where you get all, all the way up to 12 and i've got kids playing in go games but once you go beyond that it does start i've seen it it does start to get a winning mentality and mm-hmm. to keith's point you know you, i i have kids playing and they do remember how you make them feel. I mean, it clearly, they don't actually remember about the medals. They want to be part of a team. They want to be part of something enjoyable. Leaving them on the sideline is just uh, just a silly Surely
2: thing. as well, for adults, the best way for them to become the best sports people they can be is to have the best skills. And it should be about coaching skills first and not coaching winning first.
3: Correct. And uh, if I may go back just to the streaming for a second because i have a slightly contrarian view on the streaming so if you are you know and i've got got kids playing all sorts of different divisions and we all play gaa etc if you're one of these kids who's not quite there yet and it's not to say that you won't get there right to my mind if you're getting played in corner forward or in some kind of position where you're not getting a lot of ball you're not able to develop in a match situation as well as if you were playing a slightly lower level but you were playing in midfield or center forward or center back or whatever where you were getting more time on the ball you were getting to make those decisions and you know kicking points and missing and doing all of those sorts of match situations that you just don't get if you're playing at at kind of too high a level and it's not to say that you know at 12 it's you know it's dictated you know he's a premier league player he's she's a division one and you know whatever i mean people there has to be osmosis between the teams. Uh, and again, that goes back to the to the coaches, right? You need the coaches to be you know, willing to coach players and the skills, as you're saying, John, but also open to a players up and, and send them down to say, look, you need a bit more time with the ball. We're going to play in midfield on the second team to see how you get on there.
0: Yeah, so, I think the... Yeah, you know, a huge factor is that at most most clubs you'll have your A team and your B team and your C team. And generally the A team is where a lot of the emphasis and time is put into it. They might get the best training facilities, they might get the most experienced coach, they might get the most qualified coach, whatever it is. And as it comes down, it tends to be the last team will get the parent that's just been thrown in at the last minute, has absolutely no experience with coaching kids, has no experience with coaching the game, has yeah. no experience with coaching skills so for the ma- vast majority of those children in the, the C and the D they'll always be in the C and the D they've absolutely z- almost zero chance of ever making it up because they're always being coached the same way with the same players but if you put you know say slightly weaker kids with with better kids eventually some of the weaker kids will will push on they will push on and they will improve but when you put all the worst with the worst you're generally going to the worst with the worst are generally gonna all stay together um, Across the games, I see it in football where you know even at 13s, you might have some of the the C and D teams. They're not ready for the 11-a-side pitch, you know. So maybe we yeah. should be looking at keeping them on the nine-a-side pitch or keeping them on the seven-a-side pitch, so they're experiencing uh, you know more opportunities in the game. They're experiencing more contact with the ball. They're, they're scoring more goals. They're enjoying it a lot more. Um, there's a lot of kids who are being pushed onto big, big pitches, and, and they're just not able. They're not able for it. Yep. You know, the pitch is too big, the ball is too heavy, whatever it is. And, and I think we need to look look at that. Um, if you look at certain countries like Belgium, they don't play under 15 or they don't play 11, 11 aside. I think until 15s. In Ireland, we're playing 11 aside at 13s. And actually, only yep. a number of years ago, we were playing 11 aside at under 11s and under 12s. So I mean, it is improving, uh, but certainly. That is a way of of, of certainly developing kids, allowing them to play the game, smaller game in smaller spaces where they're getting more contacts in the ball and more opportunities in the game to to make decisions. And they're more involved in the game, of course. Uh,
2: 53106, plenty of um, messages in from the audience on this one. Uh, in my own experience I've seen an emphasis on the best players while really ignoring players that are not as good and are just given up on early. Some coaches are the dads of the best players. The chances of any one of the better players making it as professionals which I believe these dads think their kids will do is so small it is an utterly misdirected view of kids football or any other sport. Um, my son plays under nine soccer. is a very average player. They streamed earlier this year. It has seen a massive help to him. Gets him a lot more touches. He's on the third team and his confidence has grown and skill has improved, Says one of our textures. Uh, soccer and GA dad are 13-year-old son. The shouting of players and refs on the GA sideline is terrible. Abusive, especially to the ref. Totally different to the soccer. All positive feedback to the kids. Very little or interaction towards the ref, except for the odd oh, come on ref, but still room for improvement. Only the coach or captain should speak with the refs, as Jim and Hoth. JD, why are you ignoring rugby in this conversation? Well, I think rugby is probably the best of of the sports in terms of fostering respect. So, if anybody's got a, a contrarian or a different view on that,
0: well, I had to hear that there was. I think there was twenty seven. Well, twenty seven is a small number of reported cases of abuse uh, last year, and that was over three thousand five hundred games in rugby.
2: And obviously, with the referee, they've they've you know only the, only the captain can speak to the referee. Yeah,
3: I, and actually, I one of the things I put on my Twitter feed during the week was you know there there should be a referee liaison because. A lot of the times, what we're, what we're hearing again and again is coaches, 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 and to some degree parents, and... What do you think is a split? Well, you see, as you go up the, as you go up the grades, the parents fall away right there's not that many parents uh is sitting on the uh, you know at a a junior seven game you know what i mean um so uh, as the as as you go up the the age groups even under 16 there aren't as many players as there are under 13 right so so it depends on the age that you're refereeing right but um, what i find is that coaches are unfamiliar with the rules let's just call it that and I've had numerous instances of this. And every referee you talk to. So I was at a game there recently where the referee, a former national referee, was doing a camogie game. And he had a pretty good game. I mean, I was watching him. I, I happened to be there watching the game. Uh, not because I was watching him. but, but uh, And there was just a torrent of abuse at this man. Throughout the game, and the the words that were used, and this was at a, a children's game. It was under fifteen or under sixteen or something like that. And I could see the kids at the at the sideline, right, looking down at these parents, kind of going, "My goodness," you know. So, I actually don't know whether we can educate parents to the level because there's some of these rules are quite complex right and it's the referee's job to know them what I uh, almost find is this this dunning-kruger effect right I played the game 30 years ago and by goodness I I'll, I'll, I know the rules and a lot of the time they don't and they're just it's like it's like parents get a a, a temporary Tourette's syndrome as they come onto the as they come onto the grass it's 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 it's, it's funny but it's not funny and mm. the kids can hear them the kids can hear them i remember i was watching the it was well it wasn't even my team i was watching them looking up at this at, at this group of, of of parents shouting the same roar. thing
2: repetition yeah, yeah
3: it was calling in it it was every decision that the referee made he was a stupid f f yeah, this yeah, and yeah, blah 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 you know everything i mean he couldn't do anything right and i was watching it and i'm a fairly decent referee myself he was getting i'd say nine out of ten Right. We don't get everything right. We don't. Nobody does. Um, and if, if It's I, just like a machine gun,
2: then, from the sideline.
3: It, yeah, it's a, it's a, absolutely. I mean, is there an element of the
0: referee actually taking control of that from an early stage of the game and you know, maybe approaching the sideline? You know, I know
3: we spoke about it outside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something, I, uh, so, uh, something we spoke about actually outside, something that I'm doing, because as what I've seen this year is an awful lot more trying to ref the game from the sideline. Right? And what I've now started to say to coaches is, I'm here to ref the game. I actually study the rules. I read them this morning. I know what I'm doing. I might not see everything. And there's all sorts of reasons why you won't see everything, right? It's a very dynamic game, soccer, GAA. And it could be something as simple as somebody just runs across your eyesight or your eye line exactly as, it, as that situation happens. And as referees, we're trying to be dynamic. We're trying to get ourselves into position. Where, but these things happen, right? And so you don't see everything, right? But of course, somebody from the sideline sees it a slightly different way, and oh my goodness, ref, and this, that, and the other, and I'm using nice words here. It's not that the ref didn't want to see it or is ignoring it. They didn't see it for lots of different reasons. And, and I think if, you know, we need to address that at a club level, at a local level, to say, guys, we need to give referees a break. This is really hard, right? We're making three or four hundred decisions per game. Is that four steps, five steps, six steps Did he, drive, you know, did he hop the ball? Did mm. he was that a proper tackle? Was he chopping on the arm? All of these things we're trying to compute all at the same time, right? It's it's actually really really hard, mm. uh, and we want, we're not going to get everything right. Yeah. But we get
0: a lot right. And same for the player. The player's making that amount of decisions in the game as well. So, you know, yeah. parents, spectators need to realise that when the ball, before it arrives or, or is about to arrive, the player is making a lot of conscious decisions as well and then needs really? to decide yeah. one on one. Yeah, And then might have four or five decisions or, you know, voices coming from the line on what you should do and shouldn't do, you know. yeah. I mean, I think for referees, I mean, GA referees, you've got a lot of ground to cover. You, you probably almost need a go pro on your front and back, you know, so you could. Watch the whole pitch, but you have a serious amount of ground to cover. I mean, it's a little bit different to to, to we we'll call it soccer here, even though I like calling it football, but we call it <laughs> soccer. You know, they have linesmen for for the most yeah. part, and you know, they have someone in the middle, of the referee. And um, there's the offside, so there's an element that the pitch is is quite narrow. You know, they're they're, they're yeah. generally confined within a, a, a certain amount of space. As for you know, with a GA pitch, they're corner to corner. You know, so I mean, it's. I think parents and, and coaches need to realize how difficult it is to, to referee a game, and you know maybe you should just take it up um, take up a game you know bring the cards, go take up a game and, and experience it for yourself and experience how difficult it is yeah. to ref a game and at the same time get all the abuse from the sideline you know and try and get all the decisions right, and you really really are trying to get all the and you decisions. mentioned a, a great thing which was. You also have to mark your book every time there was a score. You were saying you had to mark yeah, for a point, and yeah. mark, and not in
3: itself could throw You're you like off. You're like your own admin department out the out in the middle of the pitch. You know, you, you I've have, have a book of you know all the games this year, and if you get that score in the wrong box, you put the a point in the goal box, or you put that goal against the wrong team, it really you know it can, it can flip a game over on its head. You have to you have to be really focused all the way through.
1: Yeah, go on, Keith. I think I think certain sports need to take. A leaf
3: out of will say,
2: the 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 respect it's engendered in rugby. Um, I'll just interrupt you there. And now Celtic have gone two one up against St oh. Johnston in the ninety fifth minute. St Johnston equalised. They make it one all on stoppage time, and Celtic have just got the winner literally with the last kick of the game. The fans going mad there away to St Johnston. Celtic are that's going to win that two one. a result for us, is it? He's lost his jersey <laughs> as well. Eh? I think he's taken it off. All right. Let's go on. You were um, saying there. Yeah. So I, I just think
1: like, I think like. Generally speaking, certain sports need to take a leaf out of, we'll say, the respect it's engendered in, in, in rugby, in, in maybe basketball, um, and try and foster a better culture within the sport. You know, you know. sometimes the rules um, allow for this dissent, you know, because it's not dealt with. It doesn't happen in rugby, but it doesn't happen in rugby because it's not accepted and it's not accepted because someone at some point decided this is not going to be acceptable because they put value on the referees you know because without the referees we don't have a game you know we don't have sport and if you know you know the likes of Kevin and loads of referees like them are giving their time up for maybe two or three hours on a saturday morning to go out and coach your kids and drive an hour or half an hour or whatever and spend you know give a couple of hours of their morning they're not doing it to screw a team over they're doing it to You know, I suppose allow games to happen. And if we don't have referees, and if this continues, we won't have referees like we've seen it in. We've seen them a couple of incidents I suppose there was a bit of a strike in, in, in football or soccer down the Midlands there maybe two or three years ago I think it was.
0: But there was one last year with the NDSL in November across all they cancelled all their games because yeah. of the abuse of referees. And,
1: and, and like if, if we look at even just say okay I, I come from maybe a GAA background but look at the GA just in, as an example the disciplinary process that undermines referees within that alone you can go through any amount of committees to get to the point and if you want you can go probably to the European Court of Human Rights you probably can go that far if you want it needs to be streamlined right down into a point where referee's decision is valued and you know you know that we're in in, in a space where when referees are able to go out onto a pitch and come in off a pitch and their presence is 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 valued and if we don't set the rules in place where people who are breaking them um compromise that it, this is going to continue so I think that's I think that's very very important you know rugby has it right basketball to a large degree has it right I think other sports need to look at what what they're doing and see what what what, what can we do around education of both coaches and maybe parents to see how we can do it a little bit better and that might mean tweaking rules and maybe disciplinary procedures to to, to make that happen,
0: I think in Nance like well, rugby. I mean, it needs to stem from the top. You know, I mean, if you look at the English Premier League and ha- how the referees are confronted every weekend, you know, personal space. I mean, players are right up in their personal space, I- in their face, uh, and it has to come from there. We see it in rugby. You know, that it comes from the very top, and that's why it it filters all the way down. But right, I think uh, it's hard to filter. I also think bottom.
3: it needs to happen at the local level. Right. I mean, so whether it's signs at the the gate of the pitch that says this is not the All-Ireland Final, even if it is the All-Ireland Final, right? This is not the All-Ireland Final for most most people, right? Um, Respect the referee. Respect the players. Um, You know, positive encouragement, silent sideline, whatever whatever it is. Um, You know, I I think that would make uh, some sense. I think having somebody in charge on the sideline to say... Guys, this behaviour isn't acceptable and as the club member here responsible for this and all clubs are responsible for the behaviour of their supporters, Mm. this isn't okay. You're roaring and shouting at the referee or the child or the player or whatever it is. You need to stop. I think we need to do that at the club level and I think that, that even at the mentor level and the team level to say, look, we have a ref liaison and he or she is allowed to speak to the ref. I mean, you, you mentioned a, a text there, John, that someone under 15 or a 15 year old ref is getting, you know, a, 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 somebody's asking him about a, about a decision, you know, at 15 and an under 10 game. I mean, it's it's. There's no adult should be approaching that ref like it's that. It's
2: interesting to talk about all Ireland final. I think for some parents in their own mind, that is their all Ireland final for their kids, yeah, and, that's, and that's, that's, that's it. Some, some other text here. Five Maybe three, that's six. a sign
0: within itself. This is not your all Ireland final. Year. All yeah. Ireland yeah, final. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. 53106 and judo, coaches are not allowed to speak while fighters are engaging. Any abusive referees results in the person being asked to leave the venue. Respect first and foremost. It's really helpful for coaches and players of the club to present the objectives of the junior section at the beginning of the season. If it's inclusion and play every player, it allows them to approach parents, players and coaches if they begin chatting at players and coaches. If it's winning at all costs, the parents know what to expect and can choose to send their club to the child or the club or not. It also brings consistency to coaching practice within the club, kind of splitting it up there. I don't know if if the latter one is still acceptable uh, 53106 great discussion that's very informative two points one parent should practice not shouting and trying to coach from the sidelines two no ref no game people need to remember that massive crisis coming for the GA and the LGFA in the next few years majority of the GA referees in Galway are in their late 50s and 60s referees need to be better paid and better minded says Ray Silk former All-Ireland uh, winning captain with Galway well. Uh, so much to unpick in soccer the league dictates in the terms of the rules whether a player can move between an A team and a B team the FAI needs to get control of the underage leagues as without this we'll be having the same conversation in 10 years as Paul in Dublin uh, streaming allows kids to play at a level they feel they're contributing to the game getting them to be part of a team that allows them to express themselves at game time and feel they're part of the team says an under 14 Gaelic football coach um, also we have parents shouting at your children the refs is pathetic so juvenile grow up and encourage your children um, I was at a game last weekend where young girls were in tears after the match due to what was being said to them and to adults by opposition player, parents on the line, trying to put them off when taking free is abusing them in all of the name of winning. And we wonder why there's a fall off in playing numbers. Uh, lad's been involved in martial arts for years now as a coach and a referee at both kids and adults level. If there's any abuse from anyone, especially a kids match, the match is stopped, the caution given. If it happens again, the kid or the person throwing the abuse, either coach or parent, will then cause their child to be disqualified. Never usually happens once you can conf- confirm the rules and give you a warning. It completely stops all the aggro, says Bob. And uh, finally, we have uh, just one to, to bring us to solutions here. After the recent spate of referee assaults, is it given that every referee in the country across all sports an opportunity to come together to address the issue of referee abuse? All refs get the abuse. Why haven't they all come together and refused their time, which is often voluntary, until this issue is addressed? It's beyond me, says Burdard
3: and Cork. What do you think of that, Kevin O'Donnell? So um, what I would say is abuse is, is real. It's there, but it's not at every match. And... You know, sometimes, and it's not at every—it's not at every club. In some clubs, you'll have certain coaches that will be abusive, and certain players' parents will be will, will be abusive. I continue to go out and, and referee because I love the game and I love refereeing. Um, and you know, that's that's a decision. That's a decision for me. I'm not part of a union, right? Uh, you know, I'm a volunteer, and I go out every week to do the best job that I can, uh, limited as it may be. But I, I really, genuinely do the best I can
2: hundred and six is a kids GA coach. Uh, the best bit of advice I received in early stage is to find what the player did right and praise that. Don't remark upon mistakes, as the player is the first person to know they made a mistake, but perhaps something good was done prior to the mistake that should be pointed out. In no time, you'll become a more popular coach, and don't forget for every one bad comment, a coach needs to make seven good comments to make up. Did the side on sidelines
0: work, Antonio Montoro? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it got people talking, whether they liked it or not. It got people talking, got a discussion going. Um, it still gets people the discussion going. Um, certainly when teams come to me and they say, look, we want to do it, can we use it? the logos? Absolutely, they can use whatever they want. Um, you know, and, and then I might speak to them after, how did it go? And I said, well, it was great because we got to see how the other sideline was, how, how loud and how vocal and how, how the constant stream of instruction versus our sideline, which was quiet. And... Um, Did the children, how did the children find it? Yeah, they felt it a bit strange because they've never experienced anything like that other than playing in the schoolyard or or playing with their friends. So to most children now, it's the norm. This level of noise and this level of instruction, this constant stream of of dictating and and shouting and screaming, that's normal to children now. So they don't know any other way. So when you try to let them experience the other way to go, over oh, that, that was a bit strange, but it, but it was good. But the idea is that you get children talking. They can now, you know, pass on information to themselves as, as opposed to just waiting for the sideline to, 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 to decide what, what they're going to do, you know. I think for, for coaches and parents, you know, we need to realise that most children, the vast majority of children, 99% of them, that get into sport, they get into sport just because they want to be with their friends and enjoy playing it. They don't want to be professional athletes. They don't yeah. want to be a professional sports sports star. Do they want to emulate them? Do they want to feel like they are? Do they want to try and be them on a sports on a sports pitch? Absolutely, yeah. They want to be, you know, Ronaldo. They want to be Messi. They want to say they were Messi and Ronaldo. But that's as far as it goes. They just want to enjoy the experience of it. But they, they don't want to be a professional athlete. They just want to be involved in the process. They just want to be involved in the game and be playing the sport because it's fun and it's enjoyable. And it is fun and enjoyable. And for me as a coach, the vast majority of my, all my games are fun and enjoyable. And I think we need to stop taking the fun away and just really putting the fun back into, into youth sport
2: well said Antonio Montero so just to finish up folks solutions what do we think can be done to make life a bit better in terms of respect on a sporting field both on the sideline and like you know in the, on the pitch as well Keith Begley
1: um yeah, look, I think there's, the on the back of these incidents, there's conversations starting to happen and there's solutions starting to come out. In fact, I'm aware of Offaly GA have put in a, a Respect to Referees initiative on a, a kind of an autumn tournament. It's an under-13 um, hurling and football. Um, two tournaments to commemorate um, people who would have died in the Tullamore area. Um, and the, the idea is that before every game, the, the, the kids would line up and they would shake the hands of the referee. Um... And coaches would shake the hands of the referee. So it's like a, a kind of almost like a preventative mechanism of acknowledgement that, you know, we're, we're grateful that this referee is here. Um, that might be a starting point if it, if it was only for maybe one month a year or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think the fact that we're having this conversation, I think the fact that this conversation has been had um, might start solutions to, you know, that, it, that this is becoming maybe
2: something that becomes not acceptable. Uh, broadly speaking, um, if you just look at the reaction, I mean, I, I just might be look from people who are passionate on the on the text machine, but it is overwhelming, and it 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 is just pretty much confirming that this is just part of our culture. Yeah,
3: but culture can change,
2: and of course it can, and that's why we're having the discussion.
3: Yeah, and, and I you know fair play to yourself, John, and off the ball for for bringing this up on a, on, on the on the kind of the national level. You know, you're you you're asking for solutions. I think. Parents need to take a step back, and maybe that's the ropes and the silent sideline. Um, and clubs need to step up a little bit and say, if you are one of those parents who is abusing the ref or abusing the players, and, and, and I've I've heard it, and I've people players have come to me in matches and said that man is after saying X to me. Opposition coaches, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so parents need to take a bit of a step back and understand that the ref and the players are doing the best job that they can. And coaches need to step up and say, this is not acceptable and we need to let the children play. And whether that's the winning mentality or let the ref do the job that he or she needs to do or whatever, those are the two things that I would do.
1: Just on Kevin's point, like in clubs there are mechanisms in place for clubs to suspend club members and so on and so forth for such behavior. And if clubs do step up and take action, then, you know, it might be a short-term loss for a long-term gain, but you know, it, it it sets a bar in terms of how we conduct ourselves as parents, as coaches, um, around sport. And I, I think clubs need to take ownership.
0: I think the game, you know, ultimately, you know, you coach your team during the week, and then the game is to, is is to show you what they've learned, to show you what you know the things that they've brought from the training ground into the game, and they need to be able to do that with an element of freedom. It can't be a training session. The game can't be a training session where you're constantly instructing and, and teaching. You let them learn for themselves and then after the game you'll evaluate it. I think across the abuse and respect, certainly we need to do something maybe the first month of where most leagues start, which is September, maybe have a week or have a whole month in terms of respect. And, and not just respect in sport, but respect across society because there is a, a, an element now where there's, there is a lack of respect across society and that, that is transferring into into children's sport and into youth sport and I think September for me would be a great month to you know Maybe have a silent silent weekend. I know the FAI ran an initiative a number of years ago, which is don't cross the line And um, um, so I'm sure other other uh, organizations like rugby and basketball have other initiatives and, and it might be idea just to run them across the whole month of September also incorporating just respect in general across society
2: uh, we're just going to finish it up here with uh, Antonio Montero, soccer coach, uh, Keith Begley, performance uh, psychologist, and Kevin O'Donnell, GA referee. Uh, I'm a schoolboy football referee, says one of our textures. I finished three games this morning, barely a word uttered by either side in the game. I found by communicating clear ground rules to coaches and players before starting and ensuring they know I'm open to dialogue and to explain decisions after a game, I found it always helps to stop frustration building at decisions, says Phil in Dublin. Um, we also have I coach multiple underage teams boys and girls I instruct my players to respect both the other players and the referee I've had to talk to some parents recently about abuse of the refs and to stop coaching from the sidelines I had one mother constantly telling her daughter to get up front even though she was playing full back <laughs> so, um
3: that's great uh, in, a, in a terrible way
2: right <laughs> uh, five three one six the comments online are so dangerous and damaging to coaches at all levels guys would tweet about their coaches and their decision maybe the next tweet will be about mental health etc online is so dangerous for coaches this is one of our textures hi John great discussion a lot of cases coaches are left in an enviable position which needs to be stated there are plenty of coaches who are not focused on winning but it's impossible to please everyone if you play a weaker child on the second team there's always complaint from the child or parent that they should be on the first team if you bring them into the first team they get Get either at limited game time or if they get adequate game time their level is exposed and they're not developing as much as they would if they played a full game on a second team in many cases pleasing one person comes at the cost of disappointing another what are the thoughts from studio on this?
0: I think for me the streaming it needs to happen obviously I mean that's you know that's that's how, how it is across a lot of sports I just think it happens too soon I think from very much from an early age, we're starting to look at five and six year olds and go, right, yeah, we'll put him with him and her with her and we'll keep them together and we'll separate them. And for me, it just starts to, too soon. Um, um, what you end up doing you, you end up counteracting the ability of players because. If you look at the best dribblers across the world, when they started playing, they were playing against mixed abilities. You know, if you look at some of the videos of Messi, he dribbled around loads of different ability kids. Some of them didn't look like you know, they were of the same level. But that in itself allowed him to experience dribbling, allowed him to make a decision. But if you, if you had put him maybe with the best of the best at his age. I'm not sure that he would have been able to come out with those same dribbling skills. Um, and I think we just stream a little bit too early. For me, I think streaming should probably happen when they get to 12 and 13. I think there's plenty of time to stream kids. From from when kids are in primary school, it, for me, it should be just mixed abilities. It should be able to play with their friends. I know it can be difficult to put all their friends together, but for, there should be an element of mixed teams where you have certain amount of players who are at a level um, mixed with other players. And that in itself will will bring those players on, and it just allows for a much more enjoyable experience as opposed to having A, B, and C teams. Because we all know that you know the A team, that's a lot of the times it is a win at all cost mentality. Um, It's just yeah.
2: 5, 3, I'm a basketball coach and when the girls are very small our message to the players has been respect for the ref no debate that's the message to the parents too not one of the team or parent ever showed disrespect to the refs even when not happy with the decision it has to start from the beginning of the children starting in any sport the message needs to come from coaches at every training session and matches I want to say this about Kevin though O'Donnell you do enjoy what you do as you said 90% of the time it's great yeah. and it's just a case of eradicating or trying to lessen this culture that seems, seems to be at, at times over the top
3: Yeah, I really enjoy refereeing, and I would encourage anybody who's fit and able to go out and referee. Because yes, it's it's hard work and it's a mental workout as well as a physical workout, but it's great fun most of the time. I think what we're trying to deal with here is the the kind of the ten percent, fifteen percent where, where you know, coaches and or parents are, are. taking things too far. Um, From our side, and and certainly from my side as a referee, communication is is really key, right? I communicate, uh, you know, Antonio was talking about, you know, at the start of the game, I communicate to the coaches now, I'll ref the game, I know what I'm doing, I study the rules, I read them before the game, I I know what the difference is between this, that, and the other. And I also communicate every single decision to the player involved. I'd say, I gave that free because of X, Y, or Z. I'm very clear. And a lot of the time, that sorts a lot of the things out. At the same time, I can't be having an ongoing conversation with coaches and parents and sidelines because it's a huge pitch. It's a very dynamic environment. And I'm trying to keep up with play. So I'm not here for a conversation. I'm not here for a debate. I'm here to help the kids or the players enjoy themselves. That's my job. And let me do it. I think for you know yeah. for
0: coaches it can be difficult. I
3: mean, I, I try to remain
0: calm, but when you have the other sideline that's constantly screaming and shouting for every decision, and, and sometimes you feel maybe they they get that decision because if they shout enough they might get it, then that your sideline some, like, sometimes needs to shout and scream for some of their des- decisions as well. You know, so I think like as Kevin said, if the referee from the beginning says, "Look, I'm not going to accept any screaming and shouting over decisions from any of the sidelines," then that. That, that stops that and, and other sidelines don't feel that like they need to, to scream and shout for decisions you know
3: um, yeah I say I don't need you to ref the game for me I've got yeah. this and it's a it's gentle but it's also clear right it's I've got this don't worry I know what I'm doing I will keep up with play and I'll explain every, every foul every single one to every single player I'll say this is what happened here you grabbed her by the arm or you did this or that or the other most of the players are not a problem because remember they can hear you the problem is on the sideline when the the coaches can kind of, and of course they may not know the rules very well they yeah. may be a little unfamiliar um, and you know as i said in the solutions section you just need to step back a little bit and say the ref actually knows what he's doing right let him do or her do what they need to do and step back is the word i think
0: for parents and coaches you know step back away yeah. from the action 't be don't be encroaching on the sideline don't be coming onto the pitch 15 20 yards inside the sideline if you're a coach yeah. because you're preventing the player on that side from actually getting wide you know or maybe experience a bit more opportunity to get on the ball because they're too afraid to go to the sideline because the coach is actually on the pitch as well
2: okay Keith, final word from you
1: um, I suppose generally speaking or broadly speaking I'd kind of say that you know we as ad- as adults let it be coaches parents referees and so on and organizers of sport have to realize that kids sport is not built for for adults needs and you know that we've had our time with it it's for it's for the kids needs and why are they playing it's for for their fun their environment so that their it's a fun environment for them so that when you're walking away on a saturday or a sunday after a match that them kids have had a good time that they want to go back the next day because it's been a positive experience and if our behavior as adults or coaches or whatever is is compromising that as an adult we need to look at ourselves and and beyond that then you know the rules or whatever applications need to come into play to, to ensure that you know the behaviour and stuff that we're trying to talk about is dealt with in an appropriate fashion let it be true. Club administration uh, localised level or, or beyond that at a higher level national level if in really serious incidents I think you know that needs to be looked at.
2: Keith Begley, accredited psychologist, Antonio Montero, soccer coach, and Kevin O'Donnell, GRI Free. Thanks so much for your time, folks, on the Saturday panel on this issue of respect.
3: Thank you, guys. Good. The Saturday panel on Off The Ball.